So today, instead of my regular poem, you guys are going to get a podcast call that I promised you guys about a week ago. We had some complications on both sides, so we needed to postpone. But without any further ado, further ado, (laughs) without any further ado, I hope you guys enjoy the next 49 minutes and six seconds. Hi, everyone. So this will be first uploaded onto my Anchor podcast, so you guys won't be seeing the video immediately, but once it's uploaded to my website, you guys can go ahead and see that. I am here today with a longtime family friend and personal friend uh, that has been really important to me for my entire life. And uh, he started at the edge, he was also the executive producer and the star of the comedy series Delusions of Grandeur. You might know him from his old blog named City of Sass and or his current position as a co-founder and chief relationships officer of the Imaloa Institute in Costa Rica. He is Jake Sasseville. Here we are. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for asking me to do this, Alec. Thank you so much for giving me permission and joining me and hosting this for me. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. I've known you for a long time. I feel like like you just, we, we saw each other right before we started and I said, oh my gosh, she has facial hair. That's how long we've known each other. I think I met you when you were maybe, I don't know, I want to say 2013. So it's it's nice to see you. It's good to see you in 2020. Oh God, it's been so long. Did you have to come to Maine or drag my ass over there <laughs> just so we can spend some time together? But I've got a bunch of personal questions for you, and I also one thing that I try to do every episode is share some poems or some quotes. So, hmm during this conversation, if you think of a poem that is one of your favorites that you'd like to share, I would love for you to share. Um, So first question, because I'm really new at this, and I'm just going to go ahead. Yeah, Um, we all got to start somewhere, right? (laughs) um, When you suggested feeling good first and then taking action at the end of your book, uh, Slightly Famous, which I have here. There it is. for those who haven't read the book, what would you say here for them who are listening and are watching this video? In terms of feeling good first and then taking mm-hmm. action? Yes. Yeah. So look, I, uh, I'm very happy to be here. And first of all, thanks for like a thought, such a thoughtful first question. Like I didn't know what to expect. I haven't seen you in a long time. And then you give me a beautiful question like that. So thank you. As someone who loves a good quality question and asking people, sometimes awkward questions, but also really good questions. I really love a good question. So look, I don't remember exactly where I wrote that in my book. I wrote that book when I was 26 years old. I'm now 34, but you say it's at the end. So I believe you. Um, And, and you said it and it brought up a lot actually, when you said feeling good first and taking action, because look, I grew up in Maine where you grew up. um, And I um, didn't grow up with internet. You know, I was in that generation where I knew 12 years of my life without any computers. And then I remember in 1997, when I was 12, um, I would walk from my house right off of Lisbon Street, where you know where that is in Maine, in Lewis, 
<laughs> you were on Lisbon Street? Oh, we have a little a road called Sand Hill Road. And so I would walk from Sand Hill Road to where Staples is. So it was about a half a mile walk. And there was a bookland there. It was called Bookland. And I used to get on the internet there first early days. And I used to go and pay to get on the internet or something. I don't remember. There was a little back room and I would go and st I started using the internet. So I think what happened with my generation and then the generations that follow is we have a very huge desire for instant gratification. And we've actually forgotten many of us, including me sometimes when I'm on my device, forget what it feels like to actually feel and not be impulsively scrolling or swiping or whatever it is that we now do. And so what I mean by feeling good first is I think a lot of people think, well, if I just take enough action, you know, if I just have resilience in my life, if I can just keep getting back up and that doesn't really allow for the space to be able to acknowledge how you're feeling. And if you're not feeling great, everything else that you do after being in a not so good feeling place will probably be impacted by that. Yeah. So what I've learned in my life and what I know for sure is that feeling good first, making sure that my state is managed first, it'll A, result in better experiences after whatever it is I'm trying to do, you know, and B, it'll also just, it, it'll just bring me back into awareness of myself and a centeredness within myself so that I can move forward really gracefully. Now, this is for, I believe I probably mentioned this in relationship to manifesting things, creating what it is you're wanting in your life. As you exercise this muscle of really being aware of how you feel and ensuring that you feel good before you take action, you might think that it actually slows you down a bit because it does, that's why, that's why we do it. But what it allows you to do is it's kind of like downshifting a truck into second gear so that you can get back up to fifth gear pretty fast. You downshift and slow down so that you can take stock so that you can again keep moving and taking action, but from a good feeling place. This has served me really well in crises and in moments of failure and personal tragedy because I really just slow down and I don't allow the outside world to say, you should feel this way or you should do this or do this now. I allow myself to move from a place of feeling good. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, the next question, because that's giving me to think but I don't have, I don't have another question to run off of that. Um, like you said at the very beginning, when you said, I'm just gonna start with this, we all have to start somewhere. So where would you suggest others and myself start for those who want to follow in your proverbial footsteps, going from no one to slightly famous and then to where you are now? Yeah, so what, what, so, so repeat the question again. So it's what, what would I suggest? Where would I suggest yeah, to start? Yeah, where would, yeah, starting. Like we have to start from a place of positivity and emotional enjoyment so we can figure out where we are and then take a step forward but for those yeah. who want to get into business and don't know how or get into comedy or television or whatever yeah where do you suggest they start yeah 
Well, I think it's an interesting thing that you talk about being positive because I think that that's a lot of the spiritual conversation that's happening right now. Like I have to be positive or I have to be, you know, and when I met you in Maine, I was actually in the worst place in my life at that point. I had failed and lost everything in New York City. I had, I was 26, 27, and I was used to just having a lot of things. I flew first class. I had a lot of money. I had a lot of access. I went to fancy parties, and then I lost everything literally in, in a few months. Um, it, literally in like three months, I lost everything. My house got washed away in a hurricane in New York City. I ran out of money. My TV contracts ran out. Uh, I was losing my friends because of how I was treating them. And I ended up in my grandma's basement off of Main Street in Lewiston, Maine. You know, so for me, it was actually learning that the best place to start is where I'm starting and not trying to make anything more than where I am right now, because that's what the basement taught me living in that basement with no internet for what I thought was going to be a month and it ended up being two years. Yeah. So there is great wisdom in just being here now, being in the present and then figuring out what the next right action is based on that. Um, in terms of like a macro, like how do I start what I want to be doing with my life or dreaming, doing with my life? I mean, I guess I can say this story. Um, when I was 17, 18, I applied to nine colleges. I got into two, seven of them rejected me. I had a 780 or 820. No, 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 no. I had a very low SAT score, something in the low 700s, I think. So, you know, an 800. It, an 800 you thank you. The back of your book. Thank you. Thank you, Alec. Very enjoyable to be interviewed <laughs> by you. Uh, I had an 800 SAT. So I got into two of nine colleges, right? So I made a decision. I made a decision at that point. Forgive me if the internet goes out. It's jungle internet here in Costa Rica. So I made a decision at that point to, um, I made a decision at that point to put myself in a place where I thought I could succeed. So I actually went to college at my like last pick. I went to New York Institute of Technology in New York City because I knew that if I was in New York City, I could put myself in the face of where I wanted to be, which was at that time in the television business with comedy people and writers and everything. So I kind of used college instead of letting college use me. I went to class. I did okay. I got B's and C's. The classes I really loved, I made sure the teachers knew. But I also didn't let college run me. Like I told teachers at the beginning, like I was like, yo, I'm not going to show up to your class on this day, this day, and this day, because I'm shooting my TV show. And we can either work around it or I can drop out of your class. Like, and I was like 18, 19, 20 telling professors this, but I was, it was because I had a level of clarity of where I wanted to be. And clarity has always come for me in a place of stillness. So the way to get to where it is people are wanting to get to is often not as sexy as it seems when they're there. Like, you know, this whole Costa Rican adventure, building an institute, you know, blah, blah, blah started out in painful moments in grandma's basement. It started out in questioning a lot of things about life and talking to a lot of people. It started out with verbalizing this dream of mine for three, four years to people who just didn't understand. But by verbalizing it, we create it. Our word creates our world. And that's where life, that's where I started to realize how to, to live life and how to create from that place. So 
Yeah, good question. Thank you. How does that feel? How does that sit with you? How does that sit with me? The entire time that you were talking, it brought back images from where I've been for the past year, flashes, and it made me think of this, this whole podcast that I've started recently. Um, it, I was in, I was meditating about 33 days ago, and all of a sudden I had the inspiration to find, to, to email Vishen Lakhiani from Mind Valley about creating a type of community platform. And before I did that, I continued meditating. And then I had the idea to look up connections, just that word on Play Store. And the first application that came up was the Mind Valley Connections app that hadn't even been yet um, publicly announced. <laughs> so wow. I got that. And then two days after that, I ran across this um, podcast called Journey of Growth um, that challenged her listeners to start their own. So that's what started this. And it came from a place of neutral stillness that, and I wanted to go into something positive. So I did a lofty question after my meditation wouldn't it be nice if, or what would I enjoy if, or what, what not? Because for me, I've, I haven't experienced much in my young life. Nothing big anyways, like uh, you have. I haven't gone out there, put my name out there. So I just started from there and the whole being positive, these two questions that I've asked you, we're based off of this entire journey and it just reinforced everything that I've gone through in the past month. And I'm very grateful for that. So. Well, I got to tell you something, Mr. Alec Johnson. How old are you again? I am 18, turning 19 in one month. So you're 18 years old and yeah. you know vision, which is beautiful. And I mean, I know you know of vision, you know of- I don't, I, I don't talk to him personally. I know. I, I talk to one of his employees about <laughs> I understand. No, I get it. But I'm saying you know of vision, you're in pursuit, and now the best way, you're doing the very best thing you could ever be doing with your time. The best way to gain mastery is to talk to those in situations or places that have, that are in pursuit of the mastery that you seek and then ask them and you really get to be like this yeah I, i'm very curious about your journey going forward because you get to be this conduit because there are plenty of other 18 year olds 19 year olds 20 year olds 21 2 3 4 5 that would love to learn from a peer not because that peer knows all the answers but because they know how to ask the questions and that's what i think this can be for you and this is really a pleasure to be a part of it um, one thing I've started doing over the past few days is actually writing a poem a day for those who are stuck or struggling uh, along the same lines of giving advice or being that conduit, as you just said. Um, 
from, I've been distilling all the things I've been learning from taking the all-access courses and from reading your book and other books and putting them into short or long poems and reading them and posting them in hopes that my peers and or slightly older or slightly younger will get that kernel of knowledge that I've found. So, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well <laughs> um, done. Uh, which one do I want to ask? Mm. Not that one. Okay. Um, so on the topic of reaching out to mentors, I want to know your morning routine. <laughs> what is your morning routine like? Mm. Interesting. Um, it changes often. I fell in love with a practice. So uh, I guess I'll give you the big picture. The big picture for me is I believe that the lost art of ritual and practice is affecting greatly my generation and others. I think that in the Western world, we've become kind of numb to practice and anything that's ritualistic because we have a hang up around God, spirituality, the terms that are used, et cetera. So we've kind of gone off into like this, many people have gone off into like this totally spiritual woo-woo, untethered approach to spirituality or, you know, everything's all about them and their own self and everything. And, and a practice really has the ability to bring the world into your world, but contribute massively as well. So when I was in Maui, after I was in grandma's basement, I ended up, and this has to be my next book, by the way. I mean, just the story of where Slightly Famous ends. And then the fact that I'm in the basement for two years, and then I become Oprah's neighbor overnight from like Main Street, Lewiston, Maine to like Oprah's neighbors, like insane. Anyways, so I was in Maui and I, I discovered a practice. It was called an Ashtanga practice, which is a yoga practice. Ashtanga? Ashtanga. Oh. A-S-H-T-A-N-G-A. -A. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, Ashtanga is great. And I met a, uh, a teacher who actually studied with the guru in India back in the 60s. And she was one of the first three women to bring this practice to the West. So whenever I find a practice or a way of uh, a, um, uh, a ritual or some, something, anytime I'm looking into the mastery of something, I always try to get as close to the master as possible. For example, I love the 20 year old yoga teachers who are in LA, they're very attractive, it's very enjoyable, they've done their 200 hours. I'm probably not gonna go take a yoga class with them, just to be very honest with you, because I want to study with someone or, or people who are as close to the source of the material as possible. So Ashtanga, this woman was one step removed from the guru. She studied with him in the 60s. She's now in her 70s. Um, it was a practice that I could do on my own. So I didn't need to go to yoga class. So I haven't had a yoga teacher in two years. I do my practice here at the yoga deck that we have at Imiloa. And what happens when you have a practice and you're sharing that from a very honest place, everybody wants to practice with you. So people who had never done Ashtanga, were then coming to class and telling me I was the best yoga teacher they've ever had. And I kept saying, I'm not a yoga teacher. I'm just doing my practice. But that's where the level of sincerity comes when you have 
you know, practice, ritual. Morning routine, I would say I get up. I usually play some version of an ecstatic dance song list. So that brings me from like, um, like an ohm or like a calm song all the way up to like, I start shaking. Because I learned very early on from Tony Robbins that if I manage my state and if I get my mind activated, then anything else is possible. And by contrast, if I'm feeling kind of shitty, then it's really important to just sit in that stillness as well to let that pass. The number one thing that I see that people end up in their circular patterns is because they resist and what you resist persists. So I always try to just be wherever it is I am, whether I'm in a really good state or whether I'm in a not so good state and then just let it pass because that's often what feelings and emotions are. They're just fleeting like ships in the night. They're just fleeting and all we have to do is sit with them and give them you know, the necessary attention. And it doesn't make you a negative person or an unspiritual person or whatever else it is. So water in the morning, I always have a ceremonial cup of coffee, which uh, is just beautiful. I have my French press actually right here and I have my coffee from the mountains of Costa Rica. I just got into this. It's one cup, it's French pressed. It's just, it's a delightful way to get into my day. Um, and then some variation. Sometimes I go into calls or meetings. I usually don't eat until 10 or 11. Actually, it is 10.30ish uh, Costa Rica time and I still haven't eaten for the day and I stopped eating last night. So I do an intermittent fasting practice. Um, yeah, and then occasionally I'll do breath work. I really like the, um, the Wim Hof uh, breath work, holotropic breath work for state management. It's not for everybody, um, but I do enjoy it as part of my morning practice every now and again. Thank you. Yeah, write some of the things down. Alec, I love how authentic your interview style is. You're like, let me choose the next question. Let me just take a few notes. This is a very <laughs> appealing, this is a very appealing style. I have to tell you, nobody's doing it like this. Everyone's so concerned about what the next question should be. And you're like, actually, I'm just going to write down some thoughts. Could you just wait a minute, please? <laughs> That's a very unique way to do an interview. <laughs> I'd rather be authentic and comical than rushed and unenjoyable. Totally. And, you know, speaking of authenticity, the number one thing that I learned last year when I went to Landmark Forum, which changed my life, and actually I would love to find a way to help you get to Landmark if, it, if it's appealing to you because it's deeply moving. I resisted it for 12 years because I thought it was a cult. And then finally I went to do it and I was like, what? But what I learned in Landmark is that it's not about being authentic. It's about being authentic about how inauthentic we all really are. That what we're hiding is really driving our lives. And so if we can get authentic about how inauthentic and how fraudulent we are, which we often are, then we're able to like be in this place of truth, which is really great. Anyways, that was a little thing on authenticity. But go ahead, go into your notes and tell me what's next. Okay, thank you. Okay. So you already mentioned that you're going to have to make that your next book. 
That was one of my questions that you answered without me asking. <laughs> if, if what? Um, if I'm going to do another book? Yeah. When, when is your next book and what is it going to be about? I, I think, um, you know, I wrote my first book wanting it to be, well, I really wrote my first book from a place of ego. And, you know, I sold, I don't even know how many copies. I was self-published. I sold several thousand copies. I had a really popular publicist at the time. Like I did all the things so that it would just be this thing. And I felt joy in writing it. I did, but I really want the next book. Like I've lived so much since that book. So I write about what I know and what I know is my life and the lessons that I get in my life. So I really write these sort of memoir type things, but in a really kind of riveting, short, punchy kind of way. Um, so I think I would like there to be another one. I feel like I've been really busy living and I feel like everyone, well, yeah, I just feel like I've been really busy living and learning a lot. So every time I sit down, like I have outlines and outlines and outlines for book number two, and I've talked to ghostwriters, I've talked to da, 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 just to like see if we can like sculpt it, but it just hasn't felt right. And I'm a big believer that if it feels heavy, set it down. So I think the next one will be a continuation. I think the last one ended when my, uh, I don't remember when the last one ended. I'd have to go reread it, but it ended, I think when, um, yeah, I, I lost the show on ABC after Kimmel. And then I went into like the spiritual quest and then I kind of came back up uh, into Chicago and did a show there. Um, and then the house got washed away in Hurricane Sandy. And I think I'd probably start it when the house got washed away in Sandy, Hurricane Sandy in 2012. I think you so. End, you, you end um, with getting a, a call back from Pringles Extreme. Oh, and yeah. And then doing that concert tour. That's And then great. talking about your lesson. Uh, yeah. The starting from a place of enjoyment and positivity. Yeah. And fine. That, that's the very end of the book. Right. Yeah. So the Pringles thing. So then I went out on tour. Yeah. And then I moved back to, well, I mean, I did a few other things, but I moved back to New York City. House got washed away. And then I just a lot of life lessons going back to grandma's in Maine for what I thought was a month. It was two years. Yeah. And then rebuilding and figuring out a way to Maui and then creating this vision from Hawaii and then moving to Costa Rica to do it. So I think that's probably the next, I think that's probably the next book. Thank you for answering that question. Yeah. Um, what are, I, I would love to go to that thing in Boston that you talked about. Um, I've got that in my notes, but uh, what are three to five books you'd suggest that me and any listeners that I have read that really changed your life. Yeah. Yeah. So first one is, and this is, this guy actually ended up becoming a mentor. He hosted a retreat at my house, but I started out just by reading his books. He's written 26 books in the area of parallel universes, creation, manifestation, and those books taught me everything from the spectrum of energy that the whole world is on and how to like identify where people are at intuitively to time travel, to the existence of aliens, all things that when I hear people talk about, I'm like, huh, yawn. But when I actually did my own independent investigation, I found to be really riveting. The author's name is Frederick Dodson and the book specifically is called Parallel Universes of the Infinite Self. 
And I will tell you or anybody that tries to read that, I am a decent reader. I'm a curious guy. I could only read three pages a day because that's how intense it was for me. It was a very intense coming of age moment that deeply transformed and moved me. Um, other books, you know, you know, honestly, I just, I'm in the second series of this book right now. It's called Conversations with God. Another I thing. Donald Walsh. Yeah. Another thing yeah. that I just thought was totally silly for many years. I was like, this sounds totally cheeky. And then I'm reading it and I'm like, I am deeply moved by this. Not because anything that's being shared in it, conversations with God, not that anything is like being revealed to me, but the way it's put and it's written from such an authentic place that it's, that it's pretty moving. Um, what other books? Gosh, I'd have to actually, since you'd look at your notes, can I just look in my office? Go right ahead. Go right ahead. I really love this permission that you're giving me to just be totally authentic right now. This is really, this is the next, I, I feel like this could be really something, Alec. And not this, your, your show. I'm talking about your show. Let me go to my library. Here we are. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, no, that one I wouldn't really recommend. Um, something that really moved, you know, what really moved me actually, uh, again, not, not a tremendously popular book, but uh, The Boy Crisis by Warren Farrell helped me understand boy crisis. boy crisis by Warren Farrell really helped me understand men and masculinity, our relationship or non-existent relationship or inauthentic relationship to our fathers, how that impacts us. I really enjoy Warren's work and he's, he's hosting at Imiloa, um, which I love him. Let me just see. Yeah. Those are the three that I would say. I mean, I read a lot of books. I'm just going through, um, any, it's not a book, but I love him as a thought leader and he does have books. Um, and he's been on my podcast before. I really love this guy, Charles Eisenstein. He's a favorite of Oprah's and he just kind of talks about reality as it is. Um, I read a lot of his blog posts or when he had blog posts, he has a few books as well. None that I would actually recommend, but I really like Charles Eisenstein as a thinker and that's had a big impact on me. And... I think that's it. That's really what's coming up for me. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Those. Let's get back here. You answered that one. Uh, this is a very recent thing. I, I want to know how uh, the last year has actually affected your life in Imaloa and how it's changed the way that you worked from last year to this year and the way that you function in your everyday life from personal to business? Mm. Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, so what I would say is um, on the whole, my reaction to the quote pandemic and COVID, wherever people stand on it, mm -hmm. um, has been a pretty positive reaction. But that's generally how I see life. And I think that really is, it's just, that's how an entrepreneur usually responds. It's like, oh, great, an opportunity. That's not how it originally was. Originally in March when borders closed, because borders, so we had an additional thing where in Costa Rica borders closed. So it wasn't just like, oh, pandemic, COVID, fear. It was like, oh, actually, you can't leave the country. Or if you do, you can't get back in. Um, 
and which means that people could not visit. And as you know, I am the president of Imiloa Institute, which is a retreat center. So that definitely had an impact. Um, I would say the first two, three weeks, the impact, it was really revealing to me because I was not particularly nerved up by it here because you can kind of see like I'm in nature. I'm like, if you're watching the video, I'm like in front of 200 year old homes from Bali. This is where I live. Like it's not like COVID's like impacting me. But what got me is that at Imiloa, we really strive to be there for our clients. And so I had like 23 clients that were transferring or wanting to cancel their retreats within like three days. So, and they were being like perpetuated by the mass hysteria of the mass media in the States because mm -hmm. most of them are in the United States. So that's what impacted me. It wasn't COVID, it was people's reaction to COVID and then throwing that my way and I hadn't zipped up my energy properly. So I went into like full-blown panic anxiety attack for about a week. Um, where I couldn't breathe and I thought I had COVID and I was having just massive anxiety. And I really don't have anxiety that often, like that pronounced. Um, but I have a lot of really good techniques and I was able to just sit with that. And then I just made the decision to feel good, right? Goes back to what I wrote in the book, feel good before taking action. So I made sure that I felt really good. Um, and then once I felt good, a whole stream of events started to happen. Like I just happened to be introduced to a content creator who is really great at what he does. And then he's like, well, I'll move into Emiloa for a month and let's bring Emiloa digital. And that's created a six month project and my investors invested in it. And, you know, it's just like a whole stream of events issued from that place of feeling good after I got through my panic attack. Um, we held really strong boundaries professionally with our clients. That was good because we said, if we hold strong boundaries with them, then they'll hold strong boundaries with their people, their clients, their participants mm -hmm. who come on retreats. And that was really important because everything that we do has such a ripple effect in the world. Yeah. So um, we did that. So personally, I've been okay. I mean, I've, I've gone through a lot of transition over the past six months. Several people have left Imiloa, uh, transitioned out our marketing person, our operations person. So things have been in transition. And yet my relationship with my team has really grown and I've really invested and nested with them. So that's why I can't really say it's been good or bad. It's just been. And, uh, you know, we were one of the only places throughout COVID to stay open, not fire a single person in this country in hospitality and hotels. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's been, it's been a dance. Some days are really exhausting. Some days are really good. Most days are pretty good, like pretty average. Um, and, uh, I would say that on the whole, like big picture, the biggest lesson that I've gotten from COVID is that success can be very blinding. We were very successful at Emiloa for two years, like nonstop retreats, 91 contracts in two years, all of a sudden to a screeching halt. And there were some things in the business that I hadn't been able to clearly see because success can sometimes be blinding. And so with the slowdown, again, the downshift to second, I was able to see along with my partner, a lot of different things that we had to maybe look at and examine in the business. And so I'm really grateful for that, but I'm constantly reminded that even me, who really enjoys being aware and conscious and having open conversations, is able to be blindsided occasionally and just being present and always questioning the mind to make sure that like, I'm actually questioning what it is I'm thinking, not because I want to be insane, but because I just want to be a smart, contributive human being.
you know? Yeah. <laughs> I love the way you said that last little bit, yeah. <laughs> That's good, right? Yes. Uh, thank you. Um, uh, I don't know if you'd be sharing that one. Hmm. Okay, so... Listen, I ask people some of the most ridiculous things ever, so I have a rule for myself that nothing is really off track. Okay. Well, this one has to do with you again personally recently. What personal projects have you started within the last year because of this slowdown for humanity and for yourself and your business and everyone else? So professionally, I've started Journey by Emmy Loa which people can go to lowajourney.com. We have a seven day elevate or reset and elevate, seven day reset and elevate, which is really cool. It's with Emilio's masters, the people that host here. You know, I told you earlier, 91 people have hosted or have contracted here. And so we have a lot of masters and teachers that flow through here. Um, so that journey is basically the digital experience of Emilio and it does what Emilio does, which is walk with you on your journey. You know, there's a lot of projection as it relates to spirituality and consciousness, like you should be here or here's what I can teach you. But it's like, actually, what happens when you just walk with someone on their path and give them what it is they are needing? And that's what we're, that's what we're um, kind of playing with as it relates to journey. Um, and personally, I'd have to say that a personal project is just the project of me. I've taken a lot of time over the past four years for a lot of other people. I hold a lot of space here at Emiloa for 40, 50 people a week that come here. I have a team of 20. I have investors. I have 39 investors from 19 countries. I have a vision that I've helped to create and nurture. I have a lot that I've done for others. And so now I'm making decisions, you know, over the next weeks and months uh, for me, like where do I want to live? You know, do I actually want to live in this part of Costa Rica or do I want to be more in the mountains? You know, um, which is true. I do want to be more in the mountains by the rivers, not necessarily by the beach and the ocean. I know that sounds ridiculous. Like, oh, no, I love that idea. I, I've okay. always wanted to live inside of a jungle, inside of a tree house. That's oh. possible. So like, that's my dream house. Alec, so do you have, have a passport? Do I have a passport? No, but I really want, I'm, I'm trying to get one. We're going to get I, you and your girlfriend a passport because literally just down that way, probably a two minute walk behind me, which you can't see, it's a path. I literally have a 200 year old home from Bali that feels like being in a tree house in the jungle. So we just need okay. to get you and your girlfriend there somehow. Okay, she's supposed to help me with the passport setup because she's gotten her passport. So right. you're just waiting on me. <laughs> Yeah, just let's get you into that treehouse in the jungle. But yeah, so I've really been focusing on that. Like, it's not about living in the mountains by the river, although that's something that's important to me. But it's about, like, I've spent a lot of my years, the last few years, contributing to others or to something else greater than me, which is really gorgeous and where I want to be. And I want to also nurture the part of myself that needs to be nurtured as well, which I think can sometimes be forgotten when you're innovating or creating or whatever it is. So that's where I'm currently at. Thank you. That was beautiful. Um, yeah. <sighs> Do you and your employees have a vision board or wall that you guys can put a, your vision board up on the wall 
and look at each other's visions and dreams and goals? That's a great question. So we do not have a vision board. We do um, uh, uh, biannual, so twice a year retreats with our team. Mm-hmm. Um, we also do like excursions with our team. And in fact, um, we we in those retreats, what we do is we discover what's important to them personally and to the communities that they live in. And then we try to create a plan on activating and executing alongside them. Um, so that is something that we're, we're very present to. We have in our office, we, we have, um, it's not a vision board. It's written in Spanish and English. Um, it's actually an art piece that I did of our four core values and our distinctions um, of Emiloa. So that that way, every time they're in the office, they can see it. Um, and, and we talk about them every week at an executive meeting. Um, but yeah, I, I think that discovering more about what they're wanting in their own lives. Well, like for example, one of our property managers, Jesus, he loves creating content. So like I'm trying to figure out a way that he can create content with us as part of journey, right? He still has his roles and responsibilities as his property manager. But if you've seen in any of my stories, he's like the cool dude with the earring and he's always kind of talking back to me and he's like the cool dude. Yeah, 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 that guy. Um, But he creates really great content. So um, yeah, it's just about meeting people where it is they're at. And, and I think we could do a better job. You know, we really went into like mission critical, save the company or preserve the company and make sure the team's okay during COVID. So like, you know, we had to cut people's salaries, but those who couldn't afford based on the cut, like our investors helped contribute to them in a different way by helping them with food or maybe rent or lights or whatever uh-huh. outside of there. Yeah. So like we tried to like, it's been interesting, right? It's been, it's been an interesting ebb and flow, but um, yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that we have a vision board per se. Uh, That's just a curiosity question. And another just regular curiosity question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With your your life over the past, like everything, uh, I know that you loved magic at one point, magic tricks, Um, but do you play any any type of game, board games, virtual games, video games, anything? Or have you, has life become so much like a game for you that you, you never think about them? You never. Well, really that's funny. To. So, games for me, I like playing card games. I like chess a lot. Um, okay, we can play some chess. You want to play some chess? <laughs> yes, I'd we can play some chess. Yeah, I love that. I Chess is one of those things where I'm not really great at it, but I'm fascinated by it. And I'm even okay. fascinated. And I feel like that that makes a great player in any game. If you're fascinated by something, whether it's the game of life, the game of chess, the game of Monopoly, I am just fascinated by chess. And I'm fascinated by people who can do chess. Like I had a friend in New York who was like master chess dude, like would play with people in the park and like blow them away. And I'm like, what's his, what's going on in his brain? So I love playing chess. I often play with people that are much better than me, which is probably boring for them, educating for me. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what I would say. And, and life is a pretty big game for me. I find that I don't need as many distractions in my life. Not that games are all entirely a distraction because games are really fun and they can expand. But those are the types of games I like to play if I'm going to play a game. It's not just to have a distraction or to numb out. I have other things that I can do to numb out. <laughs> But I try to be not numbing out as much. I try to be present with what is as well. But yeah, I'd say chess. 
I'd say chess. That, that's, that's what I wanted to know because your life has been just watching it has been so amazing with its ups and downs. Yeah. I, I wanted to know if you did play games that were distractions because of the life that you live, I couldn't see you playing those types of games. And I just wanted to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do other things to distract myself. You know, I'm really in my head. I try, when, before when we could fly, I would, I would go see a friend. I would, you know, and, and I look back now and I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's a fair statement to say that I'm the happiest I've ever been, but I'm, I'm pretty calm. And I think calmness for me makes me pretty happy. Um, I have moments of hysteria, but like I realize, and I haven't left Costa Rica since March. I haven't moved around. And that's usually my go-to. Like every time something gets a little uncomfortable or I need to go reset, boom, I go somewhere. And I haven't done that. And it's really forced me just like, ha, huh, just to be with me. And I've really loved what I've discovered. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. We are actually, it's, it's 1247 here. You, I've had you for about over 40 minutes. <laughs> so. We can keep going. So I can, I can extend, let me just check one thing. We can just wrap this up. If we can wrap it in the next uh, five to 10 minutes, let me just check. Yeah, five to 10 minutes. Would that be okay? Oh, that would be perfectly fine. I would like to, um, where is it? I accidentally erase it. I hope I didn't erase it. I wrote a poem last night that I just- Oh yeah, and you wanted me to share a poem. So I can yes. share it, I can share one. You want me to share? I'll share it after you, after you share. Okay, so I wrote this one last night and I just wanted to share this one with you. Um, yeah. For those who have already listened to it, you can just skip ahead. Uh, <clears throat> One moment, some water. Okay. Dharma. The reeds, they sway. They move and groove, conversing with the wind in a way. Bending, standing, leaning, singing. Dancing, they play. They play with the wind, the rain. They play all the way through to the day the snow hides them away. The air as it is, the wind as it pushes. The reeds as they sway, the ground as it holds fast. They are all one coin. The front, the back, and the environment, the medium, the in-between, where the two sides interweave. They act like enemies, all the while they are truly friends, only playing, and both cannot tell that they are the same spell, the same game, the Dharma, existing as a whole. We humans operate in the same way, yet we don't always realize we sway to play. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. We sway to play. Isn't that ironic that we just talked about playing? That's good. <laughs> All right, I would love to hear one of your favorite poems. Well, so it's actually, I realized when you were reading your poem, this is how, this is why I dropped out of college, is that I was like, I don't actually have a poem, but I have a favorite idea that comes I'd love to hear it. One of my favorite poets. Poets. Um, so Maya Angelou, one thing that Maya Angelou says that has always struck me and often informs how it is I live my life, how I want to show up in the lives of others, it's this idea. It's this idea that people may eventually forget what you did to them. People may forget what it is you said to them 
but people will always remember how it is you made them feel. You know? And when I think of that, and I think of that in the context of my life, and it struck me years ago when I first heard it, but as I've seen how my behavior and the way that I interact with people really can impact not only them, but dozens, if not hundreds of other people after them, it is so important to me to show up in a way that is authentic and um, just keeps in mind that they're not, people are not going to remember what I said to them. People are not going to remember what I mostly did to them unless I did something really particular. Um, people will always remember. They'll walk away from an interaction with me, whether it's five seconds or five years, and they'll always remember how I made them feel. And that's true for all of us. So that's deeply moving to me. Not exactly a poem, but still an enjoyable idea to think about. Thank you for sharing that idea. I have heard of that, but I've, I've never really given that one much thought because I've always been focusing on um, other philosophies and other teachers. Like um, for the past four years, I've been obsessed with the teachings of Alan Watts. Mm -hmm. So like just hearing you talk about it like that, it, it, it brought a lot of light to something that I haven't been thinking about. So thank you. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you for being here, giving me your time, giving us your time. And I love to talk to you later. Go make a wonderful day. Thank you so much, Alec. Thank you for the opportunity, okay? Thank you. And you're welcome. All right. Bye-bye. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. I thoroughly did. I'm just going to throw this up there. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy the audio and the video will be coming up online either today or tomorrow. I'm almost done with the website. I know I said I'd get it done a little while ago, but I've never made a website public and I'm nitpicky. So I'm just gonna have to do it and then throw it up there. So thank you guys for listening and make a wonderful day.